Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of our Herschel Game of the Year Awards. So if you have not listened to the first part, go back. Stop playing this right now. Go back, listen to the first part, finish that up first, and then come back to this one. Exactly. Please, once again, this is part two. So if you feel a little bit lost, I promise you'll understand what's going on if you go ahead and listen to part one first. And we will be here waiting for you when you get back from part one. But with that, let's go ahead and get right into it. Next is Best Narrative, games with outstanding storytelling and emotional resonance. Narrative. Mm. Oh my goodness. Narrative. This, this is where we take kind of a step forward and get into the really, really big awards. Like, in my mind, you know how you see other award shows and you have the smaller awards and you're like, oh, that's great. But like you're watching for the big ones this is the big <laughs> ones this is where it starts okay yeah it's time it's time Do i can you... go ahead okay I'm still this here. i have three nominees mm. for best narrative mm-hmm. we have xenoblade xenoblade <laughs> xenoblade <laughs> chronicles 3 that tells a very very interesting story of the purpose of life you know the the mortality of existence um, and what war is really about do you have to fight even if that's all that you've been made for and all you've been told that you're worth for your Mm -hmm. entire life pretty mature story for for a nintendo exclusive game we also have ori in the blind forest which tells a much simpler story about a sprite going about trying to heal a forest that has been damaged and using the light and the positivity that she brings to bring it to others and heal them in the process. And we also have Eastward, which is an incredible experience. And if you haven't played Eastward, you should go play Eastward. I just need to throw that out there because this game is not popular enough for how good it is. Eastward tells a pretty simple story as well. Um, we open in a, a post-apocalyptic world with our two protagonists, John and Sam. We find out that John is a digger, goes and excavates different sites, and during one of these excavation jobs, he actually finds Sam. Sam is not his daughter, and they don't refer to each other as... Wait, find Sam like in the ground Mm -hmm. she's actually she's found in a um like a little pod oh okay underground so she wasn't like buried alive no 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 um and the story is a slow burn um it talks about their relationship with each other and over time you know within the first chapter so i don't feel like this is a major spoiler but they actually get kicked out of the town where they live underground and are sent to the surface um which you know everyone is told is dangerous you need to stay under it's dangerous up there and they go up and they see this this beautiful landscape and they're like oh well this is great we're on the right track 
but you actually find out that there are things going on on the surface that are dangerous mm. and scary. And so it goes just through their journey, their relationship with each other, how they impact others and what they bring and what they're learning about life as they go along. So three very, very different stories that mm-hmm. try to accomplish different things and they all do it very, very well. Yeah. Very well. As in, this was something where when I prepared my thoughts for this list, this was one that I had listed as decide the day of and I decided it this morning but then on my way over here, I changed my mind. So this was a very, very hard award for me to give probably not not the hardest, but probably the second hardest mm. of, of the award show. What's it going to be? It's Eastward. It's Eastward. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought it would be Ori. It's Eastward. Mm. And here's why. Eastward does not care like about anything like eastward is very much a we are going to make what we want and you can experience it as it is which means that there's no pacing issues with the story at all it happens so organically and is so well crafted there are so many different characters that are compelling there are so many different plot points that are compelling. There's so much symbolism going on in different ways to interpret different things because they leave so much up to the individual to decide. Mm. And in a lot of cases where that is kind of the narrative approach, it can kind of fall short because it doesn't feel developed enough. Uh-huh. But Eastward has found that balance where it gives you just enough, but then gives you the freedom to decide, well, what does this really mean? And there are moments in the game where they step away and you just watch John and Sam interact with each other. And like I said, they're very clear. They're not father and son. Sam says a couple times throughout the game, John's just some guy that found me. He's taking care of me. I love him, but he's not my dad. Sam's a girl, right? Yeah, Sam's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm not his daughter. I'm not. I'm, I'm Sam. He's John. We love each other, but that's it. Um, and at first I was a little thrown off by that. I was like, oh, well, you know, father figure. Yeah. But their relationship is so pure. Sam is, um, we don't know exactly her age, but she's a young elementary school age person. So she's probably seven or eight. She's like a girl girl then. Yeah. Yeah. And there is just a, a way that they tell the story through them that is so incredible like there's and there's so many different character quirks like halfway through the game i'm i'm about a little bit over halfway now i've been playing it for a while but i just don't have a lot of time to put into games Mm -hmm. but based off my research i'm at a point where i was about halfway through the game um you get a new item you want to guess what that item is Mm. it's a pair of shoes doesn't change the gameplay at all but Sam gets a pair of shoes from a friend. She didn't have shoes before that? She didn't have shoes. Oh, wow. Because John didn't think about it. John doesn't wear shoes, and so he didn't get shoes for Sam. Mm. And it's just those small moments where you realize that this world is built to be like such a... Or the the place that they came from was so pre-civilized and so, you know underdeveloped yeah 
but like that stuff is accepted as true because the story has been so well told that it makes sense. Yeah. John's, John's a very, um, not outwardly emotional person and he wouldn't think to buy someone's shoes because he's never used them. But there's just small little moments like that that add to the character's level and you really understand who the characters are on such a deeply personal level. Mm. And then the fact that they use those characters to funnel the entire story through, it just works so well. And those other games that I mentioned have great narratives as well, but I think Eastward provides a more unique way of storytelling Mm -hmm. that I haven't seen in other games that I've played. That sounds really cool. You should play it. You should play it. Okay. Give well, me for a, me. Give me the list. Come on. Are you ready? Come on. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh-huh. Halo Infinite. Uh-huh. Really? Oh. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. <sighs> oh. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal. Fire Emblem Three Houses... A lot of narrative happens in that game. More than I've ever seen in any game that I've played. Uh, There's a lot going on. Um, And depending on how you start the game and the decisions that you make throughout the game, your ending changes. So, you know, you really feel like you have an impact on the narrative. And... Well, I shouldn't say that. There's not a lot of decision-making that happens throughout the game that changes the outcome. But, you know, certain critical decisions, one or two, that you make throughout your playthrough really change the outcome. And Halo Infinite... um, I put it on here because... It's the most... Like... I think it's the closest that Halo has gotten to uh, showing an emotional side or an empathetic side of the protagonist, Master Chief. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also another guy that you interact with throughout the game. And, you know, he's kind of your backup guy that they'll p- pick up Master Chief when he needs to be picked up and, you know... Um, He's kind of the guy that is saying, well, chief, we can't do this. Like, it's just alone, the two of us. And we're trying to take out like an entire army of bad guys. You know, this is ridiculous. Like, I want to go home. You know, I have my family. And and Master Chief is saying, no, like if we let this army grow and fester, it will become a bigger problem for humanity. So... I need to stop them now and I need your help to do it. And um, I liked it. I liked it. You know, it wasn't like the deepest thing ever, but, uh, you know, it wasn't the longest campaign either. There are other Halo stories that are, the Halo games that have a lot longer campaigns and, and more narrative, but I just enjoyed it. So I put it on here. Nice. Um, Jedi Fallen Order is a story about Alex Herschel. (laughs) Because 
You look just like Cal, and everybody says it. Um, there was one time when I showed like a picture of you to I can't remember who, you know, saying, "Oh, this is my cousin. He's my co-host on 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 our podcast." It's like, "Oh, it looks like that guy from Jedi Fallen Order." <laughs> Like yeah, I am a Jedi. (laughs) Um, but uh, their narrative is really good. You know, it's about not to give a lot away, but it's about a uh, a Padawan that has survived Order sixty six, and he's gone through the trauma of the Jedi order just completely falling apart and Jedi being hunted. And so he's, he's living in hiding and he's not very confident in himself. And a series of of events happen that put a lot on his shoulders. And, um, how the game tells the story of Cal and how he, you know, decides to, go about everything laid out before him is really cool and in a lot of in a in at points like really emotional too and it's really cool and and the narrative and and gameplay also kind of go hand in hand maybe i'll mention this later on but you're a cow right you you start out the game you don't have a lot of abilities he has distanced himself from the force a lot because he's been in hiding. You know, if he uses his force abilities, it's it gets easy for the Sith to, de- Sith to detect him. So he doesn't. And so you go through the story and, and he's remembering trainings that he's received from his master that has already died. And... So that's how you gain abilities is you, he remembers what his master taught him. So you go through these cutscenes of when he was like a kid and it's really touching and you feel like you are playing as Cal going through that growth and it tells Cal's story very well because as you, the player controlling Cal, become better at combat gain more abilities you see cal in the actual game and the story growing as an individual as well so Mm. very beautiful wow and for best narrative oh boy oh boy i'm gonna have to give this one to fire emblem three houses this was a difficult one for me. Wow. This is between Three Houses and Fallen Order. Yeah. But makes sense. Um Just for context, there was so you get so invested in these characters mm-hmm. in, in Three Houses, and that is part of why you get invested in the narrative. That and makes each sense. character plays an important role in the narrative. And so when something critical in the story happens that makes you realize something new or makes you appreciate someone that you didn't appreciate before, and and that's a part of the narrative of what's going on, um, it's really, really emotional. And I remember in particular, 
I think I can talk about this. The game's been a, a, been out for long enough, but basically, so that I don't spoil people, um, there's a time skip that happens in the game, and um, I think it's about five years, and you're fighting off like bad guys after the time skip. You're kind of all alone, and at one point, like your old allies from the academy like come out of nowhere and they look you know several years older with new outfits and they're a little more mature because they've grown up and they come to your aid to help you and the first time i played that i cried because it was just the way they did it was so beautiful and it worked in tandem with the music that was playing and everything and your sense of camaraderie with these people and that you're trying to accomplish something good in the land of Foldland. Um, I just absolutely love that. And there's so many different courses of narrative that the game can take, right? Wow. So as much as I love the story of Fallen Order, I've got to give it to Three Houses. That makes sense. That makes sense. And now, best protagonist characters with engaging and compelling traits and development best protagonist do you want to go first or do you want me to go first should i go first okay i'll go first i know you have a lot of thoughts on this one i got a lot to say number one master chief from halo infinite let's go Number two, Krom from Awakening, Fire Emblem Awakening. There we go. Number three. There it is. Come on, say it. Cal Kestis, Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order. Are you surprised? Is there a fourth? No. What? Who did you think was going to be on here? Edelgard. Ah. I thought Edelgard was going to be there for sure. But that's the thing. She's not a protagonist. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, Master Chief. I already talked about this in the last point, so I won't say a lot. But um, for those of you that haven't played Halo, Master Chief is... um, He was kidnapped when he was a kid to be used by scientists so that he could be physically um and mentally enhanced to basically be uh this mega soldier right um so he's not a very emotional person and there are only a couple things that have ever gotten him emotional and one of them is cortana the ai that has been his partner through all the different battles that he's been through and um he lost cortana um at the end of the last game or halo halo 4 halo 5 that was like all about cortana basically and he was trying to save her and she goes crazy um because there is a lifespan of these ai that after a number of years they they deteriorate and they start to go crazy and so one of the Halo games is dedicated to Master Chief's quest and trying to find a 
um, a fix for Cortana so that she wouldn't go crazy, so that he could have this partner with him, um, because he's she's really the only person that he's like emotionally cared about, which is really sad because he doesn't know his parents, he doesn't have friends, he obeys orders, gets things done, kills things, and the only person that's been by his side is this AI that is doomed for destruction. Um, and in Halo Infinite, he, he finds a new AI that is designed after Cortana, basically a duplicate of Cortana that was designed to destroy Cortana and then destroy herself because um, Cortana was going crazy and she was turning into a threat. Um, so pretty much the government was like, she needs to be taken out. Um, anyway, so this new Cortana becomes Master Chief's new partner. And like I said, there's this guy um, that's like freaking out there, right? Cause he's like a survivor around there and he found Master Chief in the space, in space. And what makes Master Chief a good, good protagonist in Halo Infinite is that he's forced to give hope and encourage an individual like personally, because there's nobody around, nobody else around to do that. Like all he's ever had to do before was kill things, get it done, you know, um, and he just does it all. But this is the first time where there's nobody else. There's just the two of them, he and this guy, and he has to be the one to cheer up this guy, give him hope that they can win this battle and return home um, so that he can see his family again. And um, it's the most... Yeah, like like I said earlier, empathetic I've ever seen Master Chief. And that is what makes him a great protagonist in this game. Not to mention that he just kicks everybody's butt, right? Master course, Chief is awesome. Um, Krom and Fire Emblem Awakening, he's just a really good person. Like, always trying to do the right thing. Always looking out for everybody. And um, almost like Dimitri from Three Houses, if any of you have played that game, except Krom is a lot more pure. Uh, Krom doesn't have the baggage that Dimitri has. And um, I guess Krom isn't the protagonist now that I think about it. It's actually Robin that's the protagonist. You well, play you as can, Robin. You can have multiple protagonists yeah, in so a I game, guess, right? I mean, those two hand in hand, you know, you play as... Um, you are Robin, but Krom, I mean, you play as both of them anyway, right? And then you have a lot of dialogue back and forth, and there's a beautiful amount of trust that is built between the two characters, and um, it's just really good. Really good story, and Krom is a fantastic character. I guess Krom slash Robin, I should say. Really good. Fallen Order, Cal, pretty much the same reasons why I put Fallen Order in, in Best Narrative was because of Cal's story. Oh man, this now is for the tough. winner. This is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is a tough one. 
I'm gonna have to give it to Cal Kestis. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was I thought that was the one that was like just there for the sake of a nomination. Really? Well, because like you were you were talking so much about Master Chief and then you talked so much about Krom and I was like and with Cal I was like yeah, the same reasons as narratives. I was like, oh, okay, it's not him. And then you pull yeah. it out, and I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Keep going. Keep going. So, Explain. Um, Master Chief is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love everything that I just mentioned about him. The thing that that really makes Cal great is the growth that he goes through, you know, he goes through development, he changes, he's stronger and, and he tries to help everybody. And it's really hard to explain, but like, okay, let me put it this way. Um, there's a reason why Nintendo doesn't give a lot of personality to Link. And that's because Link is named Link and is meant to be the link between the game and the player. There's not a lot of personality given to Link because Link needs to be a vessel for the player. Yep. Yep. And it's the same for a lot of Nintendo games, actually. Um and the danger of putting a lot of personality in a character. And, and that's also the same reason why Byleth in Three Houses doesn't have a lot of personality. is so that anybody can play that game and fill that role of Byleth with their own personality and feel like they're getting to know all of these different characters. And the danger of putting a lot of personality into a character is that it can make the game feel like you are controlling a character instead of playing as a character. Because if that personality doesn't really fit with the particular player, you may not feel like you are that individual. Um, what Fallen Order does really well is, um, at least for me, right, and this is all subjective, I felt like I was in Cal's shoes. I felt like I was living the the struggles that he was living through and going through these memories, you know, remembering his master's teachings and um it was really immersive and also pretty emotional. Um another thing is that Fallen Order isn't really an easy game. It's not a terribly difficult game, and it depends on what difficulty you play it on. But, like, it's not a hack and slash where you can just mash buttons. You have to really pay attention to your enemies and recognize their attack patterns, patterns, block at the right time, counter at the right time, do all these different maneuvers. Because, um, like, enemies hit pretty hard in that game. And... Like, you will recognize yourself becoming a more powerful Jedi as you play that game. And that 
goes hand in hand with Cal's growth in the story and abilities, yeah. right? So you are literally becoming a better player as you play the game and as you watch Cal go through his trials and become stronger, you know, mentally and literally physically. And because those things happen at the same time, at least they did for me, by the end of the game, you know, when Cal had more confidence and he was doing all these things, like I felt like I was doing that too because mm -hmm. I was controlling Cal and I was becoming better at doing that. So uh -huh. he was a great protagonist. That's awesome. Off to you, Alex or Cal. <laughs> I have five nominees. Oh for boy. This. Our first is John from Eastward because John Seems fairly similar to Master Chief, but a little bit different. Master Chief's name is John as well. Is it actually? Yep. Wow, look at that. Um, John's not an outwardly emotional person. The reason that he makes this is because of how the game shows you that he cares about Sam. Um, when John walks, he walks with his hands in his pockets. There are certain points in the game where Sam is taken away from him where, um, you know, they're just separated for mm -hmm. a brief period of time. And he doesn't walk with his hands in his pockets anymore. And his movement speed is like just it, it, it looks a little bit more erratic. Mm. Um, and in cutscenes, um, when they're not together, he never walks he is always running if he's not with Sam in a cutscene because he's trying to get back to her and make sure that she's okay. Wow. And it's just those subtle touches that show how much he cares about Sam that despite his limitations and his um, lack of outward emotion shows just how much he cares about them. And he's also an incredibly willing protagonist. Um, John is a very good cook and he's known as being very, very good at fighting monsters. Mm. And so anytime, you know, there's a couple times where quests are given where you have to go, you know, clear out a space of monsters. And every single time, Sam's like, oh, well, John's great at fighting monsters. Let, let's go take care of it. Um, and there are other points in the game where John shows his kind of embarrassment or his frustration a little bit. But whenever it comes to helping other people with that kind of stuff that he knows other people can't take care of, there's never a sense of like reluctancy with it. And so he's just a very kind person, mm. even if it's not easy to see sometimes. Ori from Ori and the Blind Forest. Mm -hmm. Ori gets put through the ringer at the beginning of the game. Yeah, Ori does. gets sent away from her home in a spirit tree and is alone but gets found by someone who's very very caring a big old chunky gorilla mama thing yep <laughs> and then that mom dies and Ori's left alone again um you know and throughout that beginning five minutes you know Ori offers to split food with mama so that they can both eat and mama doesn't accept it and eventually mama dies and dude that that cussing kills me. Well, not only does Mama die, Ori dies. Ori straight up dies in the beginning of the game and then is brought back to life. Yeah. Um, 
when I'm put through difficulties, um, it's very, very hard to, to think of others. And yet Ori is told at the beginning, like, you were brought back for this. Like you were brought back to go help. So go help. Mm-hmm. And she just goes. And it's pure and it's simple and it's told, you know, solely through visuals because Ori doesn't speak. But there's a sense of, of duty that she has as she, you know, goes and learns different skills from other sprites that have passed away and goes on to clear this forest where, you know, I would just want to rest. I would just want to be done. Mm-hmm. But she does it anyway. Um, she's incredible. She's incredible. And the fact that they do it without any dialogue or, um, you know, cues from from Ori, it's, it's pretty incredible yeah. what they do with her character throughout the story. Senna from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, Senna actually only made it onto this list last night. Oh boy. Is that Caddy um, Girl? No. Senna is Blue-Haired Girl. Okay. Got it. Um... Senna hasn't played a very big role in the story so far. Um, But her dialogue, she's always asking um, someone if they've seen what she's done. And like when they, when they leave a battle, one of her lines is, Hey, did you see what I did? Um, And in cutscenes, you know, she's very usually um, one where like people will praise her for something and, you know, she does the kind of stereotypical shy girl, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, yada, yada. And then there was a cutscene that I saw last night or yesterday um, where she's talking with her friend Mio and she mentions how she feels. So the way that Xenoblade's six main characters split up is that there's two groups of three and they're from opposite nations that have been at war with each other for a long time. And Senna mentions how the people from the other nation have kind of been taking a lead on things and how it's kind of calling into question like what she offers to the group. Mm. And that cutscene sort of puts a new perspective on whenever she's asking, hey, did you see what I did? Or the, you know, fear of like really taking credit. There's just such a level of realistic self-doubt that I think Senna portrays. That's really cool to see because she is very, very capable Mm. and yet she still doubts herself, which I think is seen so often in real life, right? There are so many people that are so capable, but they just don't see it in themselves. Yeah. Um, So it's a very real and raw look um, to be seen in a video game that um, takes itself seriously in some ways, but doesn't in others. Like the characters are very jokey with each other, Yeah. but you still have those those moments where I, I was pretty touched. To, to see it when I saw it yesterday. Sam from Eastward is another candidate because she is an eight-year-old girl that's been put through a lot. And she gets excited about things when you open chests. Um, you know, they do a, a similar to Link when he opens a chest where they hold it above their head. Yeah. And so John does that right away. But what Sam does is Sam does this little excited dance and then puts both hands up. Cute. Um, there's a couple points in the story where they take pictures with different townspeople and you know she, she there's just so many different cute childish things that she does but she's also really aware 
of her, the situation. Um, I've reached a point in the story where she recognizes just what's happening and you can see, again, like a very real look about how an eight-year-old would look at it where that hope is still retained, but you can see that it's not blind anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her development so far in the story has been really cool to watch unfold because even despite all that stuff that's going on, there's a sequence where you ride an, an old car down a down a river mm-hmm. and you're steering it and you go really, really fast. Like you're reaching like 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And and Sam, it's like she's like riding a roller coaster where her like face is open and she's like kind of flailing about. <laughs> and it's just, there's just little moments with Sam that make it so great. Um, and my last candidate, sorry, this has been quite the segment, is... Um, is Mio from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is Cat, your girl. Mm. Mio is on a time limit. She knows that she only has a couple months to live when you start the game. Um, and when they have conversations with characters, there always seems to be a slight emphasis on how Mio reacts to what other characters say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, those subtle things that show you who the character is where she recognizes her situation and at least where I am in the narrative doesn't really have a hope that they're going to be able to accomplish what they want. Mm. She kind of recognizes that she's going to die and it's heartbreaking to see, but how much she carries for the team because um, of her emotional maturity and what she does and her perspective is always very, um, pacifist and you know why are we killing people um, this kind of stuff and her development is again very very real and very intense and emotional I had a winner listed here um, you changed your mind didn't you as I've been talking about it it's hard because all of these characters are fantastically written you know, when it comes to Mio and Senna, which are the only ones that have voice actors fantastically performed mm-hmm. um, and a lot of potential for what comes because, spoiler alert, I haven't finished any of these games. <laughs> so there's still a lot to come to these characters. And each character has a right to win for one reason or another. But I'm going to give it to Sam. Um, from Eastward because I think I think how she makes me feel um, is the biggest proof of it where I love I like all of these characters a lot but I think I not in love but like I love what Sam is and -hmm. what she represents and what she's gone through. I'm trying really hard because there's a lot that I want to share about her that'll be spoiler territory for anyone that wants to play the game. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of very story-specific beats that go down that directly impact Sam um, and her reaction, how it changes her, how she stays the same, how she stays true to who she is while allowing herself to feel what she needs to feel mm-hmm. is an incredible achievement but it feels real even though she's eight years old she feels it feels deserved yeah. for the character and that is amazing i think when i look back on these games going forward sam will be one of those characters that sticks with me for a really really long time yeah oh. 
Well put. Man, that was that was a long time. So let's go ahead and move on. Next, best gameplay. Games with exciting and interactive gameplay. Gameplay is very important, wouldn't you say? I would argue the most important above all else. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yep. Give us your give us your nominees. Halo Infinite. Bow, 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 bow. H3 VR or hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades. Bow, 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 bow. And Elite Dangerous. Bow, 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 bow. So, Halo Infinite, I think that game is peak Halo gameplay. Nice. Some diehards may disagree with me on that, but that is okay. Just for me personally, um, so good, so good. So many different abilities. Um, the grapple shot changes everything. So the grapple shot is kind of like the hook shot mm. in Zelda, except you can sh- you can hook it on anywhere and anything. You can hook it onto enemies, have a sword in the other hand, and slash them as you get close to them and stuff. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Um, it it puts the game. It gives the game a vertical plane that it hasn't had as much before. Um, really flexible in terms of how you want to go about attacking certain enemies and stuff. And I really like it. The, the gunplay is super satisfying too. Um, H3VR, it has the best, like shooting mechanics in any VR game that I've ever played and um, like it's just so cool because when I play that game I feel like I'm actually like shooting a rifle at a range you know shooting at watermelons or whatever and it's it's really satisfying it's so cool um and yeah the the way that i used to get that feeling before was like i was into airsoft a lot in high school and um before i went to japan for a while and uh you know i don't own any like real guns or anything I'm not pro-gun or anti-gun or whatever, but um, it's just really immersive and really cool That's and really cool. fantastic gunplay um, in VR because gunplay in pancake mode or non-VR is completely different from how you have to approach gunplay in VR because you're actually picking up the gun. You're actually aiming. You need to actually steady your hand to be able to shoot at something instead of just hold down the left trigger to aim down the sight. Elite Dangerous. You know what, before I get into this, let me just announce the winner of this for me. It's Elite Dangerous. Of course, of course. Um, And it is totally subjective. I get it. Uh, The reason why the gameplay is so good in Elite Dangerous for me is because um, I have a HOTUS, um, which is a hands-on throttle and stick. 
So I have a throttle right here, I've got a stick right here, and I use those to control whatever ship that I'm in. And I've explained this to you before, Alex, but you know, every control in the game can be mapped to whatever button that you want it to be wow. so that it feels instinctual, so that it feels right. And um, like I said before, the game is unforgiving in that like you can't just go full throttle and then control the stick to like steer the ship where you want it to go, which is basically how it works in like Star Wars Squadrons VR, for example. Um, it's it's pretty easy to control ships in that game. But in this one, no, you can't just do that because it's realistic, right? So if you're approaching a space station, you need to de-throttle. You need to make sure that you are aimed correctly at the gate that you go into. Um you have to make sure you're at the right angle, at the right speed. If you bump into things, you know, it might damage your shield or your hole. And the security might be like, hey, you need to knock that off or we're going to blast you into oblivion, right? Because it's uh -huh. like a safety issue. There's like a whole people living at that station. Um, so you need to be really careful. You need to make sure that, you know, before you go into the space station, you you request docking permission and if you go into the space station without docking permission like you'll get this like warning warning like you have to get out right now we're gonna attack you because you don't have permission to land you can't be here and i've made that mistake so many times <laughs> and it's scary every time because you're like oh crap i need to get out of here um like you know when you're flying the ship you have to use the stick to go just pretty simply up down left and right um but then you have other controls to control the like the smaller like a different set of thrusters that rotate you a different way and stuff and you know if you're like mining into mining in mining mining asteroids for example you have to make sure you don't run into them or your ship might blow up or um it's all these different intricate controls that are so complicated that make it exciting that one of my favorite things to do in the game is just landing in a space station and taking off from a space station. Like, I mean, if you were to do that in real life, I think that would be exciting, right? Because you're actually controlling a spaceship and landing and taking off from a space station. And that's why it's exciting in this game because I feel like I'm actually doing it because of how complex it is. The complexity gives it immersion and the gameplay is fantastic. And because it's realistic, the the skill ceiling is so high um, that you know you can have super good gear and everything that you've earned with all of your money and whatever. But like my skill level with how much I played the game is going to be totally different from somebody that is actually good at flying a ship in space. Yeah. Um, and that's why Elite Dangerous wins best gameplay. That's incredible. That's incredible. All right. My nominees are 
Ori in the Blind Forest. Okay. Eastward. Pokemon Legends Arceus. That's it. Sorry. I'm sorry, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to bring in Xenoblade on the gameplay aspect. That's okay. Still not there yet. Ori in the Blind Forest is a 2D platformer, and it is the smoothest... Mm, definitely the smoothest 2D platformer, and outside of Super Mario Odyssey, probably the best controlling platformer that I've ever played. It is absolutely incredible just how smooth it is mm -hmm. and how many different things they give you as you progress throughout the game to make traversal of these areas, areas um, more fun. It's absolutely stunning and, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a difficult game. Um, you know, enemies mm -hmm. can kill you pretty quick or he's very fragile. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, the challenge that the gameplay brings is, is a, is a good, it's a good touch. Um, I don't usually love, you know, games that, that kill me a lot, but I love this game and how it plays. Eastward plays very well. Um, again, nothing new, um, but everything that it does, it does very well. Um, and I think a big reason that this got the nomination was because it provides you two characters to play as that play very, very differently. Mm -hmm. right? Whereas John, you can go in and you can just beat stuff up. Uh, but in sections where you're playing as Sam, you have to understand you can't kill enemies so you need to freeze them all or you need to sneak around them or you need mm. to find a different path. Um, and so it provides a very nice level of variety. Pokemon Legends Arceus. I've said it before in this episode. I've said it before before this on the podcast. It's the best playing Pokemon game. It is the most fun time that I've had playing a Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. It's fantastic. This one was pretty tough. This one came down to Pokemon and Eastward um, just mm -hmm. because of the variety. As much as I love Ori, Ori provides a very, I mean, you've mentioned it before where it is a very, like once you start and by the time you end, the overall way that you play the game is still very much the same. You right. have more tools, but it is still a platformer. And so it was really tough, but I thought about it and That's I thought about be. it hard. And it's eastward again. Mm, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be Arceus. Now some people might give me flack on this because how could Pokemon win in best action game, but eastward wins in gameplay? How is that possible? And let me <laughs> tell you, let me tell you, because it's a great question. As an action game, Pokemon is the better game. But as far as playing the game overall, it has to be eastward because. Eastward is more than just an action game. There's a lot of time where you're just exploring an area um, and the area is new and it's different. And maybe Pokemon got brought down a little bit because it's a region that I've already explored in different games, right? The mm -hmm. Hisui region. I've seen all that before. It was nothing new. It was a different way of seeing it, but it was still the Sinnoh region. Um, and in Eastward, all these areas are very different and I feel like Eastward has more gameplay mechanics in it, right? Because of those different ways that you can play it, because of the different weapons you have, because you have, you know, different mini games that you play that are just nice little breaks and little side jobs in the game. Um, 
something about playing that game is so much fun. Um, and I will say it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to lead potential players in blind. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of time where you are just exploring and moving around these cities. Um, and there's a couple points where you're sent kind of all over an area in, in like fetch quests. Um, but even then, as you're going from area to area, because it's so well designed and because the characters are so quirky and fun, it doesn't mind. I, I, I don't mind it. I don't mm-hmm. mind it. And at the end of the day, I've had a lot of fun with playing Eastward. Um, and I've had a lot of fun playing all these games, but I think Eastward has a special way of its gameplay providing enough that's familiar and enough that's fresh that just provided what I needed in a Mm -hmm. game. So very nice. Love it. Best gaming moment moments that are extraordinarily memorable and hype. Best gaming moment. Do you want to explain that for us? Yes. There are specific moments in games that set games apart from others. Sometimes these moments are few and far in between. Sometimes you have a lot of them in a game. But at the end of the day, this is about a moment in a game that made you feel something that you haven't forgotten that is going to stick with you. And it's it's these moments that can take games from games that people shouldn't play to games that people should play even just for the sake of this moment and in the sake of these games games that took them from good to great and provide you know that that extra oomph that makes them worth talking about sj would you like me to start or would you like to go you go ahead okay I decided to limit myself to one nomination per game. In Xenoblade Chronicles 3, my favorite moment is still the very beginning of the game where you watch as a group of characters runs onto a battlefield and immediately the game transitions into combat. And it is in your face, it's from the beginning, and you go and you feel, because of that, because of that quick transition, you really feel the pull into combat. And it's like, okay, like, you know, there's there's no time to waste, and mm-hmm. that's how these characters have to live. And so I thought it was very, very immersive and a very strong start to a game. In Eastward, the first time that Sam and John are separated is a pretty jarring moment because they've been together for close to a couple hours now, um, and they're separated. And you see all these changes kind of happen, and you see them work together to reunite. And when they reunite, um, it gives you that first glimpse of exactly what the relationship is where Sam just hugs John. And it's just a simple hug. And John kind of stands still for a little bit. And then you can see his hands move ever so slightly to kind of return the embrace. Mm. It's just like, yep. That's sweet. Yep. You have... From Ori and the Blind Forest, my favorite moment so far has been climbing the Ginsu tree as it's flooding. I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Um, but the way the music builds, the emotions that you feel as you try to help Ori escape, and then once you eventually escape the tree and you, 
you burst out the top and the water flows and the music and the build and what you just overcame and what it means for the story. It shows that you really can purify the forest because it's the first time that you see an area cleansed because of what Ori does. Um, incredible moment. Incredible moment. Mm -hmm. And from Legends Arceus, the first time that you catch a Pokemon without having to initiate them in battle where you just throw a Pokeball at them and watch the Pokeball catch them. That is cool. It's incredible. That, that is cool. Everything that, that you want from a Pokemon game in that moment because it feels so real. This one was, again, kind of tough. But at the same time, it wasn't. Because mm. as much as I want to give each moment an award for this, no moment has come close to being inside the Ginsu tree in Ori in the Blind Forest. <sighs> you told me about that moment many times. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, the music alone makes that moment incredible. That soundtrack, that, that track of music that plays is incredible. The visuals of watching the water flow where you see that the water, you know, is, is gaining on Ori. It doesn't matter how fast you go, that water matches your pace throughout well that's not fair to say because the water will definitely drown you and kill you but like i noticed that like the, the scene is designed to where that water is always close enough to put that pressure on you gotcha. like it doesn't yeah. matter how fast you master certain sections as you're moving up the tree it's always know, close to you the water always stays close yeah um and the the sense of accomplishment that i got once i had beaten that section of the game it's only like three minutes long but it took me probably 20 minutes to beat like i just kept dying and there's no spot there's no checkpoint within that three minutes you have to have a perfect run through that through that section and it's just so incredible i i mean i don't think there's much more that i can say about it other than it's the reason that i recommend or in the blind force. In fact, when you started to replay, I said, get to this moment. If you can get to this moment, I yeah. think you'll understand why I think the game is so special. And, you know, even now after having put a little bit more time into the game after that, like that's still the peak of it so far. And I hope that it gets better and it probably will. Cause I'm still pretty early on in the game, but it's, it's magical. And I think about it consistently. So it, it, it left a mark in your mind 100 oh, percent. yeah what left marks on you well let me tell you one kind of what i was saying earlier um discovering sites of aliens and ancient civilizations in elite dangerous of course. Uh, just really cool that that sense of actual discovery um also, I think I've told you this before, there are I mean, millions of planets in game, right? Stars and all of that. If you become the first player to discover something, discover a planet, or the first person to land on a planet, that is forever recorded in the game. And when you look at it at the and, and on the galaxy map, it puts your name there. It shows you first discovered by so-and-so. First landfall by so-and-so. Um, it's so cool. So cool. 
Uh, yeah. Next one is from Jedi Fallen Order. I can't say a lot about it because it would be spoiler territory. And I do not want to spoil any of this game for anybody. But basically, um, there's a moment in the game where Cal confronts a an enemy. And that confrontation and battle and dialogue is so Star Wars. I love it. It was so good. And the last one is Skyrim VR. Um, again, all possible thanks to the modding community. But, you know, the... The feeling like you're actually like in the game doing what your protagonist character avatar is doing is really cool and it takes simple mundane tasks to a new level by having that immersion um the winner in this category for me is skyrim vr Let me explain. What? In regular Skyrim, the typical cycle of gameplay goes like this. You're on the the main quest or you find a side quest and you're like, go to this cave and take out the bandits or kill the bears or whatever. You're like, okay, you go there. You kill everything. You loot stuff. You find a chest or you learn a new shout, which is one of the abilities in the game. Um, and then you return and report and they're like, oh, thank you so much. Here's this gold or here's this reward or it may give you something that triggers another side quest. And then after a little while, you're like, oh, I have so much inventory. I can't carry more. So I need to go back to my house to put all this stuff in a chest or a wardrobe or whatever um, so that I can repeat that cycle again. And typically when you do this stuff, you know, you might craft some new weapons, improve some weapons, enchant weapons, maybe some armor, and you rinse and repeat, and it is a fantastic cycle. But after you've played the game for a while, it kind of gets cumbersome to, it's like, oh crap, my inventory's full, I gotta go back. I gotta go back home and put all this stuff away, and then while I'm there, I better start crafting stuff so that I can get my crafting skill level higher it kind of becomes a chore um but to be honest like it's it's not a problem like if you're new to this game you know because it's still fresh to you it's only a problem when you've played this game for hundreds of hours and all you want to do is like go out and do stuff right adventure what happens in vr is okay i'm done for the day um like the end game day, right? Um, I need to go home and rest, dump up all, dump all of my inventory, um, and do do all that stuff. One, you are physically tired. 
because I'm playing this game standing up. I'm actually swinging my arm to like fight enemies. I'm mm. actually drawing the bow. The only difference is there's no weight to those objects. Mm. And so I'm physically tired. So I physically want to sit down. So I go to my house, drop off my stuff. And what I like to do is I'll have a chair kind of off to the side, like in my actual room. And um, after I dump up, dump everything, I'll go to the pub. And, you know, everybody's, you know, there's like a bar that's singing. Um, it's got this really warm, cozy feel because there's a fireplace in the middle and everybody's sitting and drinking and eating at the, uh, um, at the end of the day. And, um, I go to the bartender or the innkeeper or whoever and say, Hey, this is what I want to eat. And then she'll say, okay. And I said this earlier, but I just want to put it into perspective for you. Right. So I'm physically tired. I physically want to sit down. And I go and click on the chair or bench where I want to sit. And then the game goes dark. And then a little pop-up comes out and say, please, you know, find a place to sit and then press any button. So I'll go and sit in that chair that I had prepared in the corner of the room. And then I press a button and then it fades in. And I'm like sitting in the game, but I'm sitting in a chair in real life. And then the waitress comes, delivers mm -hmm. my food. I eat it. I literally have a fork in my hand. I, I do the motion to pick up a piece of the food, bring it to my mouth to eat it. And, you know, I can request a song to the bard or whatever. I am physically resting in real life while also accomplishing that same task in, in game. the game. Wow. And it is so immersive and incredible. And when I first tried that, that particular mod, um, I think it, the mod is called Be Seated. Um, I was like, this is it. This is, this peak. is peak Skyrim. Yeah. That and sounds so cool. It was beautiful. That sounds so cool. Wow. Yeah. And finally, game of the year. We're here. This is it. It is time. We are nearing the end. Oh man. Oh man. SJ. Is it? Would you I do go? us the honors of starting out with your game of the year? The game of the year. Top three nominees for me. One. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Okay, okay, okay. Two. Hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades. Okay, okay. Three. Elite Dangerous. Yep, yep, okay, okay. Not what I thought, but okay, 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 okay. What did you think was going to be on there? I thought Skyrim would be up there. Yeah. And I thought a Fire Emblem game would be on there. Mm. I knew Elite Dangerous would be there. Yeah. I knew that would be there, but I'm surprised by the other two a little bit. So... Skyrim does deserve to be on here, I should mention. Um, the only reason why it's not on here is because this is like game of the year 2022 for me. Uh -huh. um, in Skyrim, 
Like I've played that game for years. Years. And years, years, VR years. does change everything like a lot, but um like I played a lot of that toward the end of 2021. So I wanted to make sure this is like specific to I see. 2022. That makes, that makes sense. Um and here here well also here are a couple reasons why H3 VR uh, hot dog sources and, and hand grenades is on here instead of Skyrim. It's because it gave me like a completely new, new experience. It yeah, it was yeah, something new sense. and really fresh sense. for me. Um, you know, it wasn't a VR take on a game that I've already played before. So, um, yeah, I've played that game a lot. And, and it's one of those games that I can almost always just hop in and have a good time. Yeah. Um, What's it going to be? I mean, at this point, you all know why I like all three of these games, right? Yeah. So I think I just need to name the winner. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's going to have to be... Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. What? Now, here are the reasons. You probably thought I was going to say Elite Dangerous. 100, 100%. Yeah. I knew you thought that I would say Elite Dangerous. I am actually shook. Like, I can't. Oh, my. Here's the thing. Elite Dangerous? Like, obviously, this is a subjective list to begin with 100 percent, 100 percent. um but elite dangerous much of the the initial amazement and shock factor happens when you're discovering aspects of the game at the beginning at this point i've discovered enough almost everything there is to see and you know, it's still amazing and I still love it and I could play that game any day. Um, but for, for 2022, mm-hmm. right, um, it didn't quite have the same impact as Fallen Order. I see. So Fallen Order was like from start to finish, super consistent excitement, engagement. I mean... It did not miss a beat at all, you know. And and sometimes with with a game like Elite Dangerous, um, because I've already done so much in it, right? Like I already have my dream ship in that game. Um, there are only like few other things that like I want to accomplish. Other than that, it's like me just doing whatever I want to do in the Milky Way. Um, so there's obviously going to be ups and downs. Um, and H3 VR, like, it is super, super fun, but also, like, it can get repetitive because, I mean, just think about, like, if you were to go to a gun range, right? Or shoot, you know, food. Like, it's fun. But that is all there is to it. And the beauty is that it is simple, but what it does is so well executed. Yeah. But um, 
it's definitely not the experience from start to finish that is fallen order uh-huh. and fallen order i'm trying to remember how many hours i put into that game is somewhere around 25 to 30 i think um but i don't really have a single thing to complain about that game wow i don't have any nitpicks and i can't say the same for h3 h3 vr or elite dangerous there are glaring weaknesses that elite dangerous has and h3 vr is a game still in beta he's still making it so but fallen order is in my opinion the pinnacle of jedi gaming i have never played a star wars game um that's like lightsaber combat oriented that is better than fallen order wow i yeah i don't know what else to say i think i've already said everything else about cal and the story and everything you know um game of the year yeah it's it's fantastic so good game of the year wow that's awesome what is yours all four of my candidates for awards in this award show could make the argument for game of the year yeah looking at it from a sheer scope and a sheer like not subjective viewpoint like it would have to be xenoblade and even if you start to look at opinions right the way that the game um you know, allows you to, to do what you want and to say, you know what, this character looks like a big beefy guy, but if I want to make him be a support class, I can do that. And there's certain times where he's really, really good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, the sheer amount of variety that the game offers you as well as its technical construction would make it worthy of a game of the year award. Yeah. But I'm going to go through all of them. I'm going to go through all of them. Oh, okay. Eastward All right. could win Game of the Year because of its strength in narrative and its strength in understanding exactly what it is. It doesn't try to pretend to be anything it's not. Um, it, it perfects what it has. It's nothing new, but it is very, very well-rounded and mm-hmm. provides a lot of different mm-hmm. things as well. Ori and the Blind Forest is probably the most emotionally driven of the games that I've played this year. Yeah. And, I mean, it it stands up today. I mean, Ori and the Blind Forest released and it, you know, made Microsoft say, okay, we're going to buy that entire studio just so we can have the rights to this game. Mm -hmm. And of these games, probably, mm, I guess it depends on how Xenoblade lives up. But I mean, seven years later, people still talk about how incredible the game is. So it obviously has lasting power mm-hmm. and Pokemon legends Arceus. I mean, when you take the biggest franchise in the world and make the best version of it, <laughs> how can that not be a nominee for game of the year? Each of these games deserves it for one reason or another. And each of these games excels in certain things. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to be too surprising what I end up choosing. Okay. Alex Herschel's Game of the Year for 2022 is Eastward. 
because it is so dang close to a perfect experience that it kind of similar to how you feel about fallen order okay you don't have a lot of nitpicks i don't at all i have very very few problems with eastward and for each problem or for for those few problems that exist it's not a problem because it was poorly decided or or poorly made mm-hmm. everything in that game is intentional every aspect of it is a choice and when you make choices some people aren't going to like certain things and so yeah there are certain aspects of the game that i don't absolutely love that i accept and think are good but i think could have been better um but that's the case with every game that i play and eastward has a special connection i think the best way for me to sum it up is i still have to finish xenoblade eastward and ori Mm -hmm. i'm on christmas break from school i have a little bit more time to dedicate to gaming than i normally would Mm. And you can bet that the first game that I'm going to finish is Eastward. Now, let me ask. On the scale of a percentage, how likely is it that your opinion may change by the time you're done playing all of these games? I don't think I'll think Ori is better. Okay. I won't think that Pokemon's better. Xenoblade would have some hair heavy lifting to do because I feel because I feel like that one has the most possibility like potential yes and it also has the biggest limitation I don't want to talk about things that I don't like in games today on this episode yeah but it has the most potential but it also has the most the opposite direction too where my opinion of the game could tank right true um but Eastward is is my favorite game that I've played this year. You have heard it here first, folks. Game of the year. The two winners from our podcast is Eastward, our Eastward, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. If you have the means to do it, check out those games. I'm going to say... If you're a Star Wars fan and you have the means to play it and you haven't played Fallen Order, you're a fool. Fallen Order has been on my list of games to play since it came out and I haven't had the chance yet. And I am nipping to get it part. It's one of the first games that I'll play on PS5. I'll just buy the PS4 version and play it. It'll be one of the first games I play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go play it. And for those of you that have a PC or a Switch... Or even an Xbox that recently released on Xbox. Eastward is definitely worth the money that you pay. I've put, I think my clock is at around 16 hours. I paid $15 for the game. Don't That's a good it ratio. In the slightest. Well, and I'm not I, even done with it. I still have three chapters yeah. of game to go. Well, folks, thank you for listening in. Please, we would love to hear your opinions if you want to send in your list of your best you know 2022 game of the year awards please um, that would be really great to hear actually 
So just as a quick reminder, the categories are best action game, best strategy game, best innovation, best sound design, best art style, best narrative, best protagonist, best gameplay, best gaming moment, and game of the year. So send those in. Please. And y'all thought it was over, but we actually have some announcements to make. With this episode, we are officially concluding season one of this podcast. We'd like to thank you for your support so far, all the suggestions that have been given, all the time spent listening to us talk about games. It means a lot to us. The amount of support that we've gotten has been, frankly, more than we thought Absolutely. we would get. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we just cannot thank you enough. And we have a lot of exciting things planned for the podcast and for you all in the pipeline. Um, not sure how much of that we want to reveal right now, should we? All of it. All of it? Okay. Um, well, first of all, the podcast name will be changing. We're going to be doing a bit of rebranding. There'll be new cover art eventually as well. And that will launch as soon as we record and publish our first episode for season two in 2023 yes we plan on having that out very very close to the start of the year um the episode will definitely be finished before then i would assume uh -huh. um, um but because of those other rebranding things we will we'll be doing that and because of that rebranding we will also be sorry Sorry, I just had a thought come to mind that I will talk to you about after okay. the episode. So I guess there is a secret announcement that you guys won't know about yet. Um, but we are going to be pushing out onto different social media platforms as well. We know that a lot of you don't use Twitter, and we've decided that we're going to come to you. So we're also going to be starting a Facebook page and an Instagram page, as well as starting a Patreon account. So the Patreon account, for those of you that don't know, you probably do. It basically will is a way for you to support us, tell us that this is content that you want us to continue to create, um, and we'll have different options on there. We haven't sorted out all of the details yet, but um, that will basically enable us to continue to bring this content to you and continue to improve it as well. And by supporting us on Patreon, you will also be getting exclusive access to exclusive content again we haven't fully figured out the details but that'll involve different pictures different concept ideas involving you more in the process of creating in the podcast um, whether that's topic ideas or just finding ways to invite you to be a part of the episodes more that's on the way um is that about it no we have two more things um we are going to start looking oh, yeah. into having a video component on this podcast so that you can see what it's like when we're here discussing games so you can put a name to the voices that you're hearing and hopefully help bring you into the room with us a little bit more so that you once again feel more as a part of the podcast. So hopefully when we start doing that and we're not sure when that's going to take place quite yet, but uh, like Alex said, we'll have a video attached to it. What will happen is if you would prefer to watch the video version, then you'd go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. If you'd rather just listen to audio while you do chores or whatever, you know, 
you listen to the podcast version. Of course. Of course. Um, and lastly, we told you that the title is going to be changing. And we are excited to announce that title to you now. It is going to be called Down Notable Content. So not DLC, but DNC. And know that does not stand for the Democratic National Convention. We are not politically affiliated whatsoever. But we are just two down-to-earth guys bringing you notable content from the gaming world. And we hope that you enjoy it. Okay, I think that about wraps it up. Of course. A lot of exciting things. Thank you again for all of your support. And remember, you can reach out to us still through our current Twitter email, Herschel Podcast, which is our Twitter handle, or Herschel.TheGamingPodcast at gmail.com. Both of those, again, are in the description of this episode. You guys have been amazing. We hope you've enjoyed the award show. We hope that you'll enjoy the award show for a long time to come. We hope that you enjoy the holiday season, and we are so excited to see you next season. We'll talk to you next year. Thank you.